Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, certified life coach, and I am on a mission to liberate people to their authentic power and ideal self-expression. So what's a people pleaser? Well, those of us who are people pleasers are usually very loving and kind. We're empathetic. We also tend to prioritize other people's needs over our own, which leaves us feeling not seen and not heard. We're great at anticipating the needs of others and often put ourselves in second place. We're great doers and nurturers, and we often have the role of keeping the peace, whether it's in our families or in the workplace. Well, the first thing I wanna share with you is that there's nothing wrong with you. But we do wanna take some of these qualities of people pleasing that we focus so much on other people and turn them on to ourselves first, which turns them into our superpower. To find out more, listen to this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. liberate your people pleaser today we're going to talk about how to liberate ourselves from our moms (laughs) so I don't know if you have a mother that has occasionally driven you nuts and with all respect to mothers who love us and we love them I am a mother so everything I'm saying today in this episode I would be saying to my own adult children as they look at me right so I'm not breaking some sort of sacred rule here, but we're going to talk honestly about the challenges that any of us can have with our mothers. So as people pleasers, often we picked up our habits of people pleasing from our mother or a primary caregiver. And it doesn't have to be, if this, you can't relate to this with your mom, you can insert dad, okay? We could do a whole nother podcast on daddy issues because I have had plenty of those to you know, heal from as well. Uh, But today we're going to talk about mothers. If you want to insert another, you know, primary caregiver, maybe you were raised by a grandmother or an aunt or something like that. That's fine. It's that person that, you know, really cared for you and formed the way you saw life and what you were allowed to do as a kid, all those kinds of things that really start to put our people pleaser uh, habits into motion. Most of us started these habits of not upsetting other people, of pretending we were happy when we weren't, or pretending we agreed when we didn't, or thinking about what everybody else needed first, or how we could take care of somebody else. Most of us started that as children, not as adults. It started sometime much sooner. So, I want you to think back to this, and I want you to remember two things. Yes, I'm sure your mother or primary caregiver did the best that she could do. When I look at my mother, my mother had a terrible childhood. Her parents were abusive with each other. They were alcoholics. They were emotionally abusive to their children. You know, my mother has this terrible story as a little girl of going and hiding under the front porch because her parents were having such a terrible fight. Her dad put her mother in the hospital, you know, a time or two. So my mother had an extremely difficult childhood surrounded by all kinds of abuse and dysfunction. So 
when I look at my mother as an adult and I'm beginning to understand my own people pleasing tendencies and the role she played in sort of, you know, creating that pattern that I absorbed uh, is, as a child, when I think about that and I started working on that, you know, 30 years ago now in therapy, it was really hard for me to be mad at my mom or to really look at that honestly how it impacted me because I kept jumping right away as a good people pleaser to but you know she was so much better to me and my sisters than her parents were to her like she improved you know from one generation to the next parenting by leaps and bounds and so my empathy for her would keep me from being able to be honest about what it was like for me to be her daughter. So the first thing I want to say is you can have your empathy for your parent and, you know, really give them a lot of grace that they did the best they could because pretty much everybody in the world is doing the best they can. You know, people don't act out without the dysfunction, you know, so they're doing the best they can, yes. But this is where we have that tricky, you know, so, sort of two sides of empathy. We don't want to just have empathy for the other person. We want to have empathy for ourselves. So I can't stop with just empathy for my mother. I'm really grateful she was a 10 times better mother than her own mother was to her. But it still sucked for me. It was still super dysfunctional for me. It was still very painful for me to grow up in an environment that now I can perceive, of course, I didn't understand this growing up. I was never allowed to really be my authentic self. There were two things, too many things about my authentic self uh, that I was shamed into shutting down, right? Because it, and it triggered all that people pleasing. Okay, it doesn't feel safe to, you know, I have my story, if any of you have heard that, about getting in trouble for singing Edelweiss I was probably five or six years old. It was right after the sound of music came out and it was a Sunday. And after we had lunch, I, I love to sing. I always have. And whatever, in my little five, six year old self, I burst into song singing Edelweiss because I loved the sound of music. I was obsessed with that movie when I was a kid, when it came out. And I got in trouble for that because it was a secular song and we didn't sing secular songs on Sunday, only church songs. So like so many ways I got shut down and shamed from my little innocent, authentic self. And that really never stopped. So it wasn't just the, you know, singing Edelweiss on Sunday, you know, then it, as I got older, I only explored things, you know, as you get older and you start exploring on your own and as a teenager, what do I like and what do I not? And, you know, all those kinds of things. I didn't explore very much that I didn't, unless I knew it was going to fit within my mother's parameters in the church that was so much a part of our, our family culture the parameters of what they would think is okay, right? Like I wasn't going to push the envelope and go do something rebellious or go do something that might be questionable. I was such a good little girl all through my teenage years. And then I got married right out of high school. So, you know, I uh, was a virgin when I got married, you know, big whoop. It was uh, two months after I graduated from high school. But um, 
anyway, I digress. There's this natural exploration and way that we just evolve, would evolve into our authentic selves and then be able to, you know, grow and expand in that and feel free to express that if we have parents that encourage and allow that. But if we have parents that are bringing in this people-pleasing dynamic where we're being shamed for who we are or they're so needy, we have to spend all our energy taking care of them and there's no time to even think about what we want. And we just, and because of course we can't think through all that or analyze all that when we're kids, we just believe, I believed that sort of goody two-shoes version of me was the truth of who I was. But that was only because I was looking through such a tiny lens, the lens that my church and my mother gave me of who I should be. And so I just, you know, followed that sort of lock, stock and barrel. And it took me until I was in my 30s and kind of really my crisis kind of started in my late 20s. But it kind of took me till my early 30s to come out of that enough to realize the role that my mother had played in that. So you want to have empathy for yourself and say, okay, I get my mom did the best she could. And it was really painful for me or really limiting for me or really wounding to me or, you know, whatever words that feel true to you about, it could be traumatizing. I mean, there were some things my mother did that were very traumatizing to me. Uh, So it's, we've got to bring empathy to ourselves too. And then the one other thing I want to give you to help you think of this and start to process what your experiences were with your parents. And this is one of those things that really, I don't know how anybody works out without a therapist or a coach. I have a couple clients right now that we're working big time in their mommy issues, you know, because our, our parents were just so, you know, and again, it could be daddy issues. I've had both. Our parents are obviously so influential on who we become. And so as we cultivate dropping these people-pleasing patterns of prioritizing everybody else and doing for everybody else and seeing the world through what they like and don't like, and, you know, we don't even get a chance to cultivate who and what our authentic, our, our authentic self would be. And so one of the ways I want to encourage you to look at this um, and sorry, to finish that thought, it's very hard to do that on your own. Like you really, most of us need a coach or a therapist or somebody to help us work that out because those mommy and daddy issues or, you know, caregiver issues are so intrinsically woven into the fabric of who we are. We have way too many blind spots for them to just do it all ourselves. So this is why I'm such a big believer in getting help in any sort of issue like this, because we all have blind spots. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, it's not that you're not good enough. You know, you don't get, you know, strep throat and think you should just be able to cure that. You know, you need to go to the doctor and get an antibiotic. There's so many things we are willing to pay for to help ourselves and our well-being that it's just time, way past time to put our mental, emotional, spiritual health in that same container and be, you know, normalize paying and getting help for that kind of thing. It's not a weakness. But anyway, I digress onto that soapbox. Uh, Let me get back to another box. So 
Some of you may have heard me use this metaphor, which I love very much, uh, of being in your own sandbox. So if you think of a sandbox, and it can be a big sandbox, okay? It doesn't have to be a tiny little thing. You have a sandbox that is you. It's your thoughts, your feelings, what you love, what you don't like, you know, all the things, what you think, do, dream, all the desires, all the everything that is you. That is your sandbox, okay? And that is where your life gets lived and you have the right, the birthright to have all the power in all the things in your sandbox, okay? And everybody else has a sandbox too. And they have the same rights and privileges for their sandbox. But what happens in people-pleasing in essence, we are getting in each other's sandbox. When you were a kid, your mom was probably all up in your sandbox telling you what you would like and not like, even if she didn't do it in that straightforward of a way, right? It's like culturally, well, this is what our family does. Is, oh, we don't do that. We eat these things. We don't eat those things. We do these things. We don't do those things, you know? And so it's like having your caregivers in your sandbox trying to, you know, build the sandcastles they like, they want you to like them. And so they're over in your sandbox doing that. Now, when you feel like you need to take care of your parent or worry more about what's important to them than what's important to you, you're over in their sandbox. But of course, all that feels very normal when you live in a family dysfunction where we're all in each other's sandboxes, which is how most families operate. So when I'm over in my mother's sandbox, trying to make her feel better, trying to comfort her when she's getting divorced from my dad, like all these things, it's hard on me and can be crazy making for me because I'm over in her sandbox and I don't belong there. Now, we can ask each other for help in our sandboxes, right? I said sandbox, not an island. So I might need your help. Like this is how I see coaching clients. They work with me so I can help them figure out how to create a new kind of sandcastle, right? That they're going to enjoy living in better. And so asking for help in our sandbox, somebody offering help, us offering somebody else help and going over and helping them with their sandbox for a little while, that's fine. But we understand that I'm coming back to my sandbox, you're going back to yours and I'm not responsible for how you think, feel, act, what your dreams and desires are, that's all on you. And I'm responsible for how I think and act and what my desires are and what I do, that's on me because that's all in my sandbox. So if you think about it that way, when we're children, a lot of times our parents, our caregivers are even trying to control what we, how we would explore the very nature of who we are and what our authentic selves are like in a really you know clear easy example you know somebody who is born you know whatever a girl with you know female uh genitalia and all that but isn't heterosexual right because that's still considered like the norm which i think will hopefully go away and we won't be so assumptive but anyway let's just call it that for sake of this example and and she's growing up in a family that's assuming she's gonna like boys Right. And then at some point in an in an environment where she could naturally explore her authentic self, she would figure out very early on that she, in fact, likes girls. But if she's got parents that are over in her sandbox, building all these sandcastles that are about 
you know, being straight, then, and she's got people pleasing stuff, she may be trying to force herself in, and we see this happen all the time in the LGBTQ plus communities, where they're trying to force themselves into a model of sexual preference or sexual expression that doesn't fit what feels authentic to them. So even though I'm a cisgender straight woman and have never experienced that, I have experienced all kinds of other ways where my mom, my dad, my church wanted me to have certain kinds of sandcastles and anything other than that was not okay. And so it took for me, I couldn't even explore that. There was no natural exploration for me of, oh, do I like this? Do I like that? Do I like boys or do I like girls? Like there was no, there was no exploration of that. It wasn't allowable. So it, that didn't happen for me until I'm an adult and I was an adult. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that in whatever issues, you know, or ways of authentic nature that you're discovering about yourself. A lot of times we knew them when we were very young and then depending on our family, by the time we're three, four, five, six, seven, eight, it's getting sort of squashed out of us, shamed out of us uh, because conformity is such a big thing in schools, with families, in churches, all those kinds of things. So sometimes we can go back to our early childhood and go, oh, wait a minute, I really loved doing this, you know, playing in the garden, coloring, whatever it was, that give us clues to what is what's really seeking to emerge in our authentic nature, even it's been, if it's been super shamed to artists or poor, they're crazy, they're whatever, you don't want to do that. And so you never explored that artist in you that felt so alive when you were coloring at three or four, you know, something like that. So you've got to be able to break loose of that and say, wait a minute, I need these people out of my sandbox. I'm going to explore what I want for my life. And that's trial and error, right? It doesn't mean that instantly we know all the things that are in a part of our authentic expression. No. It's, I try this, I like it, I try that, oh, I like that better. I try this, I don't like that. You know, there's all sorts of things that we do in that sandbox to say, oh, I like seeing castles this way, not that way. I kind of like them this tall, but not like that. I, you know, whatever. And we get, have that right to create that. So I want to give you a quick tool before we wrap up today's episode. If you feel a little stuck, like you just aren't even sure what you want anymore, or what you like or what you don't like, because you, you know, you haven't prioritized that in your life, I would encourage you to create a pleasure box. I'm going to call it like your sandbox. What things give you pleasure? These are small things. In fact, the small things are really important. Favorite colors like me, purple, you know, um, things that uh, the clothes that you really like to wear. The I, I love cocktail napkins. If you've seen me post about this, I'm a freak about little cocktail napkins. I like to put my stir spoon on it in the morning with my coffee. I don't even use them that much in the evening when I have a cocktail, <laughs> but I use them every morning for my spoon when I'm stirring my coffee because I, I put cream in my coffee. So I love them. I buy cocktail napkins that are beautiful to me. Sometimes they have mermaids on them. Sometimes they have birds on them, you know, like whatever. I love a beautiful cocktail napkin. So even thinking of the small thing and just try on different things. You can create this box 
like literally, it could be a box in your house that you kind of drop things in that you love or words, you know, write something down that you want to try or whatever, favorite colors, <clears throat> objects that represent something else, any of that. You can do it online, you know, create yourself a Pinterest board or just put a folder on your desktop and search Google images for a while, you know, get lost in that and save things that you really like and just start to explore, like broaden if you had no preconceived ideas that, you know, you had to whatever, love the beach, would you, you know, maybe you grew up in a, in a family that all they did was go to the beach. All they did was go to the shore for vacation. They, you know, maybe you lived there, whatever, but, or maybe that was just the vacation spot and that's all you did. And now you're doing that as an adult and your family, they go to the beach and you realize, wait a minute. I'm, I'm doing this because this is what my family did and what was, you know, what I experienced. And while I may like it, could I like some other ways to vacation? You know, because as people pleasers, we often just don't get into exploring what we would really enjoy in our lives. So start your pleasure box online in your, you know, on your computer in a box in your home, whatever it is. And I can't wait to hear in the comments if this resonates with you, that way that we got kind of stifled as kids into just doing things that our families would like, that we where we would get the support we needed. Nothing wrong with that. We did it as a survival technique and it was a good one. Um, but now as adults, we can have empathy for ourselves and get into our own sandbox and say, hey, wait a minute, what do I really want? And explore that. So I can't wait to hear how this is for you. So let me know in the comments and I'll see you in the next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. You are in the right place at the right time because I have a special offer for you right now. It is the digital program of my coaching process, the Solve It Method. So whether I talked about the Solve It Method in this episode or not, it is a super powerful process that I use with myself and with clients to solve whatever issues are coming up for them. It sounds too good to be true, but it's not. I haven't found the thing with my life or clients that this process hasn't worked on. And yet it's very straightforward and sort of simple uh, in, in concept. So it's an easy thing for me to teach you through a digital program. And then there's going to be worksheets so that you can work on integrating it and applying it in your life. It works with work, career, entrepreneurial business problems. I've helped clients with that. I've used it myself on that. Our issues with our moms and dads, you know, those sort of original family issues. I've used it for that. Romance, just personal growth, like when you've lost sight of what your dreams are, maybe the pandemic has sort of put you in a reset, but you're not sure where to go now. You know, maybe you're anxious or angry. All these kinds of things are problems that I have used the Solve It Method on, again, for myself and with clients. So I know this works. So here's what I've got. Right now, there's an introductory price on the program. You can get just the digital program. You'll get all the videos. It's five modules, worksheets, lots of great stuff to sort of work on it yourself, do it in a, you know, do it yourself sort of format. But here's the other thing. I've added a mastery level 
uh, component to it. So when you go to the link here in the show notes and go to the details page of the Solvent Method digital program, you're going to see a mastery level option. And in that, you're going to add three coaching sessions, one-on-one with me to your digital program. I've discounted that even steeper right now as an introductory offer. So that's like $200 off of what it would cost you to buy those two things separately. So go check it out, take advantage of it now before the holidays hit. This is gonna help you navigate the holidays and start the new year from such a more empowered place. I promise you, you will not regret it. So check out the show notes to get the link and go look at all the information for the Solvent Method and sign up for it because this is going to be like having a coach in your back pocket that you can go to anytime you get to keep it forever and will help you with any issue that comes up in your life. So I'm Brenda Florida. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser.